babe, tough, uh, tough part of scripture today. It's going to get a little dicey. Like, let's play game dicey? Not like that kind of dicey. Oh, well, let's get into that then. Before we jump into today's episode, we just wanted to share a few things with you. First, we'd like you to like this episode and then subscribe to our podcast. If you're doing that on YouTube, also hit the bell notification so that you know when we post anything new and then share this with somebody that you feel like would be, this would be beneficial for. That's right. If you would like to support our show further, uh, we would welcome that. You are welcome to do that at anchor.fm slash marriage by design to check out your options for supporting the program financially. Otherwise, guys, the links to our social media are always in the description of every video, so feel free to check those out there. And now, let's get to the show. Hey, I'm Andrea Warnock. I'm Nathan Warnock. And you've joined us for Marriage Monday on the Marriage by Design podcast, and this is a time where we talk to you about God's design for marriage, where the Bible, what the Bible says about marriage, and then how we live that out practically. That's right. So in this season three, we've started going through the passages of God's word that deal with marriage. And uh, we're going through them slow by design um, and not taking whole chunks of scripture at a time, but trying to go through one or two verses at a time just to really try and dig in and and make sure we all have a common understanding of what marriage is. Because uh, it doesn't really matter if we want to be champions for marriage doesn't even really qualify us that we are married if we don't know what the Lord says about marriage. So uh, we've looked at some verses from Genesis, and then last week we popped over to Matthew, specifically chapter 19 of the Gospel according to Matthew, where Jesus is asked by some Pharisees about divorce. And we talked about the problem with no-fault divorce uh, last week is a pretty popular uh, episode. I'm guessing there are a lot of people out there searching no-fault divorce, and hopefully the, the Holy Spirit used that to, to reach out to some folks that need to hear that. Uh, so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that, share it with somebody who uh, might be in a position where they, they would need to hear that. But we're going to continue in Matthew 19 today, uh, and specifically we're going to uh, go into chapter 6 is really, sorry, chapter 19, verse 6 is really the topic we're going to talk about today. But uh, for purposes of context, I'm going to start in verse 4, which is where, verse 3, which is where we started last week. says, some Pharisees came and tried to trap him, him being Jesus, with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Jesus replied, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Then in verse six, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, Jesus follows up with this thought. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Some uh, translations say, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So the way this episode uh, is going to go is uh, I'm going to share a little bit uh, contextually. It's going to be pretty brief. So if you want some deeper context into what's going on in Matthew chapter 19, I would encourage you to go back and listen to our episode last week so that you can kind of get a feel for the full context because I feel like we did a pretty good job talking about it there. 
Uh, but I'm going to give a little bit of context. Then Andrea and I are going to kind of talk about what do we think this verse means doctrinally um, for the institution of marriage, uh, for our marriages, and then we'll follow up with practically what does this look like in the marriage context. I'm kind of warning you ahead of time. This passage of scripture has difficult implications um, for married couples, but particularly for divorced couples. Um, and so uh, I'm warning you ahead of time uh, that I'm going to share my conviction with regards to this verse, and Andrea is going to share her conviction. And if you hear this and you go, well, I don't, I don't agree with that at all, or man, I really feel triggered by that, or man, I really that really makes me angry, I would first and foremost direct you to Jesus' first words in chapter 4, which say, haven't you read the scriptures? So if you feel any of those feels as we're sharing our thoughts on this, I would, I would say, feel free to, I mean, you're always welcome to comment or send us a message on Facebook or send us an email at marriage by design podcast at gmail.com. But I'm just telling you, our response to you almost always is whatever you say, say, where is that found in scripture? Because at the end of the day, I don't know how much it really should matter what Nathan thinks or Andrea thinks or if it's feels. not based in what God thinks. Right. Um, and, and I would say the same thing about your thinks and feels. And, and the scriptures are going to, the Bible is going to be contrary to how we feel at times because. A lot of time, more often than we would like it sure, to be. Sure, sure. Because our feelings are whatever. They're our feelings. They're not, they don't have to do necessarily with the Bible. And so if we want to say, oh, I, if we want to live off of, I feels, you're probably going to live contrary to the scripture and you're going to be, live a life that's very up and down, up and down. Sure. You know? And our feelings can take us wacky places. Right. And, and so, you know, there's plenty of Bible studies I've been in that people have said, well, I don't feel like God would say that or do that or, well, I, I'm, I guess I'm interested to hear how you feel, but I don't really, it doesn't really matter. With when stacked up as against far God's as, word. Right. As far as the way we should, what we should be doing. Right. Um, our actions. Your the feelings don't really matter. We just have to do what's right. Right, and and when we say that, it, it's not that your it's not that our feelings aren't important. It's that they don't matter from a doctrinal standpoint. Like we're talking about the institution of marriage from a doctrinal standpoint. Yep. So, you know, when we're talking about homosexual marriage as an example, and people even within the church say, "Man." I feel like love is love and God is love. Right. But the problem is that's not love from a biblical definition standpoint. So it's not that those feelings don't matter. It's that they're inerrant when it comes to, or in error they're when it comes errant, to God's right. word. Um, so uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, just our two cents worth on that um, because this message that we share today is one that uh, we've shared had the opportunity to share with a number of people and uh not always received super well <laughs> so so with that lead in if you're properly intrigued we will move forward uh so again verse six what we're going to talk about since they're no longer two but one 
Let no one split apart what God's joined together. So uh, I guess the first thing that we have to address, babe, is this since they're no longer two but one piece. Um, because, you know, just before Jesus said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So what role does that oneness play with regards to the institution of marriage, what marriage is designed to be, you know, all of those things. Maybe we'll start there and then we'll take the second clause. Well, I mean, so the two shall be one one flesh. It goes back to what's talked about in Genesis 2. Right. That a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So we are to be really, really operating as one unit yes we're two individual people of course we don't lose our individuality as far as you know who you are who i am that we have different interests and all that sort of thing but that's right but you do lose your individuality as far as um the the way that you're the way you go forward in life i guess i mean you're you're now everything that you do is put through the lens of marriage you know like i'm not i'm not making decisions on my own anymore nathan's not making decisions on his own anymore for the most part um right you know we're we shared we shared a story of some friends that like your successes are my successes and your my failures are your failures and all that sort of thing like it's we are to be one and constantly seeking oneness right in our emotionally and physically Mm -hmm. um which means sexually and um spiritually and all that sort of thing it's it's a lifelong process but we are to be joined together and and we're not part of anybody else's family anymore um as far as allowing that to to influence who leads our marriage. Um, but we are, we are one unit. Right. And, and doctrinally, why does that matter? Well, because as we see in Ephesians five, the mystery of marriage is that it is a picture of Christ's desired intimacy and relationship with us as his people. Right. So Christ. Yeah. So, so, um, we, the church believers are the bride and Christ is the groom. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's the, that's the picture that our marriage has. And even on an individual level, when we submit our lives to Christ, we are promised in Scripture the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yep. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity of Christ, the triune God, God the yep. Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when, the, when we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're literally becoming one with God like not that we don't we don't become God but we're united with the Holy Spirit to empower us to uh, you know become seek becoming more and more like Christ to shut off old sin behaviors to live a life of humility to continue on have a renewing of our minds Um, so this marriage idea is really a picture of that relationship that God desires to have with us that's why the no longer two but one is important it's also directly related to the second half of this 
sentence that Jesus challenges the Pharisees with, which says, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Or as you may have heard it said other places, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So uh, there is a, a priority given in this clause, right? There are things that God does that we are not allowed to change as human beings, as mankind. That it's just, it doesn't matter if you like it or don't like it. They're it's godly not, things, so you don't so, get to yeah. meddle in them. So when we think about let no one split apart what God's joined together, on the tales of God saying, Jesus saying, when you become married, you're no longer two but one, then what's this verse really saying about the concept of divorce? Uh, no. Right. The, the, it <laughs> like doesn't, it's not a thing. Yeah, it doesn't matter that the state of Tennessee or Nebraska or Alaska or Hawaii or the country of Jordan or Russia or Canada. It doesn't matter. Sure, it doesn't matter. legal doesn't make something right. Right. Now, legal things may have consequences in our everyday lives, of course. But the question here is whether... You and I getting a judge to sign off on us separating our marriage changes the status that you and I have before God. And I think the clear answer in this verse 6 is no. Yeah, so to be clear, and, and this is, yeah, that it, it appears, and this is the way Nathan and I believe, it appears in Scripture that once you're married, you're married. Right. Like, you can get a divorce, but you're still married in the Lord's eyes. Right, which means... So often people get divorced because they want to avoid dealing with the problems with their spouse. And I'm talking about, I'm particularly talking about Christians here. Um, although we'll talk about non-Christians here in a minute. But particularly with Christians, oftentimes there's this run to divorce because um, they're either unwilling or... Uh, I, I don't know what to say other than un angry or whatever and don't want to deal with the issues going on with their spouse. So they go to divorce. And then we've built this culture where we kind of go, when those divorce papers go through, you go, ah, fresh start. Not according to Jesus' words to the Pharisees in Matthew 19. Because you've taken something that God joined together and you've, defined something that man did as overriding that thing that God did. And Jesus specifically says here, not happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so, go ahead. No, you look like you want to say something. So, um, so you can understand where this can get dicey because we've been in a number of situations where uh, folks we know or friends of ours or people at church or whatever that got divorced from their previous spouse are now have now started dating someone new and have come to us and said, Hey, we'd like to maybe do premarital together. Or well, we'd like to, yeah. we'd like to, you know, get some advice about moving forward in our relationship. And we've been in the uncomfortable, although I believe gone honoring position of telling them you don't have freedom to do this because you're still married before God. You might have a certificate of divorce. You might have got, I mean, in one case where I had this exact conversation with someone, they had been divorced for 
six years at the time. Would that be right? And yeah, and they, yes, they had yes been divorced for six ish years. Yeah, right. And he was happily in a relationship with someone else and had been for a number of years. Um, and he wasn't super thrilled with me at the time about raising this question. Now, to their honor and credit, um, and man, it would be great to have them on a mm. podcast at some point, a, a, a story of hope. But um, to, to his credit, he submitted himself to the Lord, broke off that relationship, went back and pursued his wife who had not gotten remarried. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but had not gotten remarried, pursued pursued her and uh, pursued restoration in their marriage. Their marriage was restored, and now they have two other children in addition to the child that they had before they got divorced the first time and would tell ev- would be would be on the front lines of telling everyone and tell me if I'm wrong if I'm putting words in their mouth babe that this is a god issue yep. that when you're married you're married yep. and uh when you rely on man to separate that marriage out god and praise the Lord, he doesn't, but God doesn't abide by man's standards. Right. God has his own economy. And God's economy is, when you're married, you're married. Right. And uh, man doesn't rip that away. And the part of the reason I say praise the Lord on this is because this also ties into the underlying reality of marriage as a picture of God's relationship with us. When we submit our lives to Christ... That's the final word. No one can rip us out of the kingdom of God once we've been Mm -hmm. put there. So, uh, and I'm not launching into a conversation of once saved, always saved, or whatever that is. I'm saying no other person, right? So, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, we, we, we come to God and then, you know, we go, well but I had this bad thought about this other person and God goes, well, you know, you're out, right? That's, that isn't how it works. Um, and so, uh, there, there's that underlying spiritual reality there as well. Yeah. I think, you know, for those listening that maybe are in a situation where you've, you've gotten divorced, neither of you've gotten married and you're starting to maybe get the cold sweat. (laughs) Hmm. What about that? Uh, I think you should take some time to really think about is what is this right? Am I am I in right standing with the Lord as far as my marriage? And do I have the responsibility to go back to my spouse, my ex-spouse, and pursue that person and right. pursue not pers- choose to not pursue anything besides that person right. regardless of how long that takes and i and i believe yes you do have a responsibility based on on the bible and several this matthew 19 is one area um but there are others to be clear that's just are, what we're studying now um that say divorce is not a thing that was supposed to ever be a thing right and um <clears throat> really once you're married you're married right for for life and that's right so Yes, I think it, it's your responsibility to go back to your spouse and and pursue that relationship. Um, we have a lot of, you know, there's doing marriage ministry for a while. We've seen a lot of crazy things that God can do, and it's, and it's amazing. And we've seen 
some people who have also chosen to, you know, uh, somebody that we knew was dating a divorced person and, um, our friend had to tell that person, I can't date you anymore because I've just realized like, you're not available. You're not available. And I'm dating you and I shouldn't be. And you need to go back to your, you need to go back to your spouse, your ex spouse and pursue that relationship. Right. And that's hard, but that's awesome too. Um, it's, it's radical faith. Is it, is, it is. It is radical faith. Yeah. Yeah. So, and can we trust the Lord to do big things? Right. Or can we trust the Lord to have our hearts or all those sorts of things when we, when we walk in obedience? Right. And can we trust the Lord enough with our own pride or whatever that, yeah, maybe to the world we're going to look crazy. That's okay. Is it really the world that you want to impress? Hmm. So, yeah. And then the other side of that too is, you know, it says, let no man separate or whatever. And I, and Nathan and I take it very seriously that we never counsel anybody for divorce ever, ever. I don't care what the situation is. I'm never going, even if it's, even if they're allowed to have a, you know, biblical divorce for reasons that are laid out in, laid out in the Bible for that you can get a divorce. No, one we'll cover here in a few weeks. Yeah. We never, ever counsel anybody for divorce. That needs to come from the Lord and the Lord only. And so if you are somebody who has influence with marriages or you're a pastor or anything like that, please don't ever, ever counsel somebody to get a divorce. That's their issue to deal with the Lord on. Right. And I don't believe the Lord would ever give them the counsel to do that. That's just my, because I believe it's contrary to what the Lord says here. Now, again, there. I'm not, there are biblical reasons where Paul or Jesus here in a minute suggest that there are, um, permitted grounds for divorce biblically when we're looking at the authority of scripture. However, in both of those cases, they right. tell you not to do it. Right. Um, Jesus actually here in a little bit is going to, is going to imply, and we're going to hammer this here in a couple of weeks that if you choose to get divorced in the case of sexual immorality, infidelity, right? If you choose that, that actually says more about you than it says about your spouse yeah. who cheated on you. Right. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, so good. Okay. So there's two other groups of people I want to talk about. Uh, one is folks, cause we hear this quite often. Uh, look, people who are just non-believers, I don't, we don't necessarily talk a lot about those folks on this channel because I believe one mistake that Christians make is we so often we can expect non-Christians to act like Christians oh. instead of just pursuing them with the love of Christ in the hopes that they come to saving faith in the Lord. And then we will help them understand what that standard looks like. So, um, you know, if, if you're watching this and you're going, well, I don't really care about what Jesus says about it, then you know what? That's your choice, and I pray that the Holy Spirit continues to pursue you where you're at. But, but hey, thanks uh, this, for listening. Th that's right. We're coming at it from a Christian standpoint. If you're watching this and you are a Christian, and your exception to this verse is, well, but I wasn't a Christian when I got divorced, so I don't think this applied to me. I, I want to challenge you on that. Because 
I don't see anywhere in this passage where Jesus is applying it specifically to, I mean, at this point, Christians wasn't even a thing. Um, so I don't even see anywhere in here where he's applying it specifically to the Jews because he's referring back to Genesis 2 and there weren't Jews at that point. It was just Adam and Eve and the institution of marriage. <laughs> yeah. um, so when, when Jesus says here, since they're no longer two but one, to me, the implication in here is it doesn't matter if you got married in a park in the woods, in a church, in a convention center, upside down hanging in your the lobby of your house. Like it doesn't really matter where you got married. Marriage or, is a spiritual or where your thing. Heart was, yeah. Right. So it doesn't matter if you intended to be joined together by God or not. Marriage, the concept of marriage going back to Genesis 2 is a spiritual thing. So when we come together as a couple and get married, we're doing a spiritual thing before the Lord, even if we're not intending to do that spiritual thing before the Lord. And so uh, when it says here, let no one split apart what God's joined together, that doesn't matter if you're Christian, not a Christian, weren't a Christian, are now a Christian. If you got a divorce and you're honestly looking at this now going, okay, uh, I got that divorce. Maybe I even got the divorce because there was infidelity or uh, there was abandonment, as we'll talk about with Paul in, in Corinthians. Um, but I now recognize even that decision wasn't God's best for me. I would encourage you to go back and pursue that spouse that you divorced so long as that spouse has not been married since you guys got divorced. And there's biblical reasons why we keep coming back to that in Deuteronomy. That's specifically forbidden to, to go back and remarry an ex-spouse after he or she's been married to someone else. Um, but uh, <clears throat> the, the point is, you know, that you may need to go back and do that, even if that divorce happened prior to you coming to Christ, because that that's not a qualifier in what Jesus says anywhere here in Matthew 19. The other thing that I want to make a point of is uh, it says, let no one split apart what God's joined together. No one. That means even if you and your spouse are going, you know what? I just don't think this is working. Are you good? Yeah, you're good. Am I good? Yeah, I'm good. Let's just get a divorce. And it's not, there's no, it's not hurt. Like no one's getting hurt. So like the stuff about divorce in the Bible, which is really more about, you know, someone's getting hurt and we don't have any kids. So there's, that's not a thing. Let's just kind of maybe just all shrink into the hedges over here and you shrink into the hedges over there and we'll call it a day. That's also forbidden. (laughs) So, I mean, all these things uh, fall into this category of what God's joined together, let not man separate. Yeah, and hopefully this is, you know, more reason for people to be more serious about who they're It really ought to be in the dating and the engagement side of it. Yeah, it really ought to be. Because it's, if you are somebody who wants to do what's right by the Lord, then this should be a big, you know, a big red flag in your dating relationships totally. or whatever. And, yep. and in the seriousness of what marriage really is. Okay. Yep. I am really seriously 
joining my life with this person and that's it for me right and no matter what right but, i mean that's the unless, intention unless nobody, one of no us dies what. then we're in it and i have and that is really serious right so right hopefully hopefully this encourages people to you know be more uh concerned about about marriage right before they jump into it Right, and if you're wondering what that looks like, I would encourage you to go back from a couple of weeks ago and listen to our, it was released as a Marriage Monday, but it was a, a story, our, the first in our series of Stories of Hope. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, Jake and Becca Preer on, and they did a really good job of addressing this idea of how do we date and do engagement in a God-honoring way. Yep. Um, so I'd encourage you to go back and check that out for examples of how to do that right. All right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, next week on uh, Marriage Monday, we're going to get into the Pharisees pushing back a little bit on this and challenging Jesus and saying, well, all right, dude, if you say God's intention was no divorce, then how come Moses mm -hmm. um, commanded that uh, people could give their wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? So we're going to take a look at those verses a week from today. Great. Until I have oh. one more thing to say. Oh, yeah, please do. I cannot believe that you are not wearing a Mariners shirt. I know. Nathan's Mariners made it to the playoffs. I know. Well, let me show you what I tattooed on my butt. <laughs> oh my gosh. What? Is that not, that's not what we're going to do? Let's cut now. Oh, okay. Goodbye. Yeah. No, I'm super excited. Uh, first time. So I've joked. I've, and if you're if, if you're looking for hard-hitting content, you should probably bail on this. But just, just funny. So uh, Seattle Mariners baseball team. Uh, is my I love them. Every hat, pretty much that I wear, it's kind of hard. There you go. It's kind of hard to see, but every hat that I wear, pretty much what probably, we take is Mariners. Probably, uh, except for work clothes, ninety percent of your wardrobe is Mariners or baseballism. Which yeah, is or what baseball this, related. This yes. Is. Yep. But he has been a Mariners fan since you were I don't know seven. I'm not sure how. Old yeah, about that. Probably about that old. And uh, so they've been not made the playoffs in major league baseball for 21 One. years. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I've joked that since the last time the Mariners made it to the playoffs, I got my diploma, my bachelor's degree, my doctorate, have had two careers, have lived in two countries, have lived in two States within the United States, got married, had five children. It's <laughs> a lot of life. Yeah, just a ton of of life. Had who who knows how many cars. Lived in three, four, or five houses since then. Had a a, yeah, had who knows how many cars. So yes, congratulations to the Mariners and to Nathan uh, <laughs> on sticking and, it out with this team. Right, right. Oh, I was going crazy. He's a diehard fan. I was. There were some seasonal allergies going on up he here. He cried when they made the playoffs. I had something in my so eye. Sweet. There was, I had something in my eye. It's a big deal. No, it's a big deal. So lots of fun. So hopefully they do well. And uh, Okay, I just wanted to make a point of that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I'll post up the butt picture later. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm not going to do that. Thanks for joining us. Yes, that's Hope great. Hope you have a great week. Appreciate it. Remember, God is for your marriage.